Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Hello, welcome everyone. Today, number five, we just finished the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and we are heading down all the way to St. Peter Primacy Church. And there is a very nice view from this location on the Sea of Galilee because this church is located exactly on the water. So I have my favorite location. I will go down all the way down the church to the left side on the beach on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. To the left side, there is an one eucalyptus tree, and under that eucalyptus tree, there is a chair, and there is a big rock that everyone can lean back. And because this would be a long teaching, I like the group to be well resting and not standing up. So I'll tell the group, find a seat. Some of them will sit down on the stones off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Some of them will lean back to the rock. Some of them will climb the eucalyptus tree. And when everyone is seated, I will start to teach and tell them, I will lay the background for you first, what you see from here. I will start by pointing all the way straight towards the south, and we will see the area of the end of the Sea of Galilee, where the Jordan River leaves the lake. And if we look to the right side, to the south also, west direction, we will see a hill and white buildings on it and the hill is going all the way downwards and that on that area is Tiberius the modern town of Tiberius today and in Jesus time in the first century it was Hellenized Tiberius and then more to the right side we will of the lake western part of the lake in the far horizon we'll see Mount Arabella a huge mountain standing by itself and this is the area of the direction of the road, the Via Maris, the road of the sea. And every time Jesus is coming with his disciples from Nazareth all the way to the Sea of Galilee, they will use this road and they will pass by a city called Magdala. And this is an important uh, Jewish rich town called Magdala, where Mary Magdalena come from. So where we are standing is the northern western side of the lake where the scholars say this is the Gospel Triangle. And the Gospel Triangle are the three main Jewish towns that Jesus ministered in, in the northern western side of the Jewish shore. These three Jewish towns are Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And you have to understand that 70% of Jesus' teaching took place in this area. And 70% of his teaching of his ministry took place also between these three Jewish towns. So we are on the Jewish shore where the fishermen used to fish. The bottom line, what I'm trying to tell you, in this area, in this vicinity, lays most of the Jewish towns in Jesus' time. And we are aware of that because there are a lot of like... Uh, activities took place in these areas and for example where we are right now is the location of the Jewish fishermen where they came to fish and where they, why they come to this area we know because of a lot of springs there are around seven springs in this area and the springs will attract the fish and this is like the springs are needed also for the fishermen to clean their nets and this is why this area attracts a lot of fishermen. I am just setting for you the scenes in order for, for me to lay the background of the story. Because there are 
three layers or levels of discipleship related to the story I will share with you. And uh, first, again, I'll give you the background of the story. Then the first level is come and see stage of discipleship. The second level of the story is uh, to follow Christ. And the third level of uh, the story, the discipleship of Peter, is obey and surrender completely. And in order for me to explain the first stage, let me set for you the background and start reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 19. John the Baptist prepares the way. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight path for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate lotus and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and unite. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Baptism and Testing of Jesus, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Verse 12, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Jesus announced the good news. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. Here comes our story. This is all the background. Proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Remember, we were speaking about uh, earlier the kingdom of heaven at the Sermon on the Mount. Here is Jesus continuing to explain about the power of the kingdom of heaven. Then the verses will get to the discussion of John the Baptist who comes to prepare the way for Jesus in verse 2 to 8 and then the baptism and temptation of Jesus in verses 9 to 13. And look now again at verse 14 and 15 what happens. Let me read it. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus got baptized and started his ministry. And it's very important in verse 16. Jesus calls his disciples. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, here comes our theme. Here comes our teaching. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father's Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. We are standing here on this shore because we believe that this is a, a spot and the location where Jesus called Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And then just a little ways, it look what it says in verse 19, when he had gone a little farther. So we believe when he was like, went more all the way to the east, there were James and John, the son of Zebedee's who are partners with Simon and Andrew. And both are in two separate boats fishing, but not far from each other's. So here Jesus comes and called them to follow him. At once, they leave their nets 
and follow Jesus. And from this point on, they are disciples of Jesus. But that raises the question, why would someone be willing to abandon their occupation and their job? And they were doing very well as fishermen at their first interaction with Jesus when he called them. They followed him. How can this happen? So we understand that this is not the first interaction with Jesus for the disciples. So when was their first interaction with Jesus? Let us read from John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. The first disciples, 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. So the first stage of discipleship, it's earlier before the calling, it's found in verse 39. He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas, which translates in English, the stone. How we do know that this happens before Mark chapter 1? which I read earlier. And who is John in verse 35? It is John the Baptist. Where was John the Baptist in Mark 1? He was in prison. Let's keep reading the verses. It will become more clear. Verses 43 to 51. Philip and Nathanael. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Verse 47 Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in him is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The key verse in this section is the word come and see. It is like the invitation for the disciples to come and see Jesus. Look in verse 39. It says, come and see. And verse 46, use the same word, come and see. And is summarized in the closing of this section, verse 50 and 51. You believe because you saw and you will see greater things than that. So come and see is the first stage of discipleship and it is happening. People are seeking the promise of Jesus. You will see miracles. You will see the power of the kingdom of heaven working and even greater things happening. So the disciples are like students. They are learning great things. This is when you first come to church. You want to see. You want to observe. You want to be prepared for the next stage. At this moment of your life, you want to understand more and see how God's hands is working. So it's observing. And stage one is observing and trying to understand. So this is the first stage of discipleship. Now let's move on to the second stage of discipleship is to follow. And let's we just read about Mark chapter 1 
verses 1 to 19. And then it represents a different call of Jesus. It's to follow him. It's not only keep watching or keep seeing or keep observing. It's going to the next level to follow him. It is what I would call the stage two of discipleship process. After you see and observe, you will follow the next level of discipleship. And Mark not only skips all the stuff from John chapter 1, he also condenses a longer story down when Peter is called. So let's go back and look at the call that took place for Peter to move from being in stage 1 discipleship to a stage 2 disciple. Let us read from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is where Peter follows Jesus. It happens here. This is the second stage of discipleship. So what are the disciples doing? They are fishing. They were in their normal life, doing the normal thing. They had suddenly an interaction with the Messiah. They finished seeing and watching, but they're seeing now and experiencing miracles. What is the promise of Jesus to them? Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. What is our responsibility? Is to obey and serve or come and sacrifice. Let me explain more. I'll explain more into details. I'll get to another like dimension. Look at verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. You have to understand that this area have more than seven springs and we are located in the northern western side of the lake, as I mentioned earlier, in the area of the Gospel Triangle with the Jewish towns. And fishermen will come here to this location nearby the fresh springs to catch fish. And the fresh springs are so much needed for fishermen to watch their nets. And the area we find also a lot of small dark basalt stones that have round shaped holes inside the center of them. They are used to hang on the bottom of the nets to make some weight for the nets to go down under the water. And if you're a fisherman and you understand a lot about fish, it's so much important to be nearby fresh springs. Because the fresh springs that come the water all the way from Mount Hermon, from the north, from the Golan Heights, pours all this cold water with large amounts all the way into the Sea of Galilee that have warm water. And that makes it lukewarm. So this will become the best temperature of water to attract the fish. It's like us, like humans. We do not like to take very, very like hot, to swim in a hot, hot uh, tub or to swim in a cold, cold water. These are extremes, but we like the lukewarm because it's more comfortable. And the fish is the same thing. 
And by the way, just think about it. How did Jesus know there's fish there? Because he is the one who created the springs. He's aware exactly where are the location of the fish. Let's continue. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the boat. So why did Jesus get into one of the boats? And why did he specially chose Simon Peter's boat? So first we understand from this verse that fishermen made very good money, good income in the first century. And by the way, today fishermen in the Sea of Galilee, there are 55 of them from different villages, half are Jews and half are Arabs. They do well from fishing from the Sea of Galilee. So it's a good income. So when the Bible says that Simon owns a boat, this means he is doing well. Fishermen do well income-wise. And also the main reason Jesus entered to Simon Peter's boat because he have a special, special message to him. And he wants to teach also. And it's getting crowded. During that time, Jesus' ministry like was public, and Jesus knew after John the Baptist was in prison, his time is coming soon to get more public, and it's getting so crowded. So on the boat, he can go a little bit far from the shore, a little bit, not so far, few like uh, feet from the shore, and he can teach the crowds. It's like becoming a virtual theater. Because the beach, as you see, you like to see it's like a theater. And the echo of Jesus' voice can reach hundreds of people from the boat. And the verse says, he sat down. As I mentioned, when a rabbi or a teacher sit down, this means he will start a serious teaching. And probably it's a long teaching and everyone have to get silent and everyone have to listen the voice of Jesus. And later, after Jesus teaching the crowds, he will get deeper and he will get relational and personal with Simon Peter. He chose him. He's coming to him. And look what is written in verse 4. Jesus is telling Simon Peter, put out into deep water. Which means, Simon, your turn is coming now. I needed to get deeper with you and more personal and relational and intimate. Because after teaching the crowds, after Jesus, we know that it happened also in the Sermon on the Mount. After he taught the crowd, he went again for the disciples to teach them more intimate. So after Jesus teaching on the boat, the crowd, he wanted to get personal with Simon and it gets deeper. Simon Peter, you have to understand, is full of pride. He is a very successful fisherman. He knows what he is doing. And especially when it comes to fishing. And probably Peter is saying in his mind, I'm going to stretch you like he let you imagine the feelings that Peter was going through. Who is this rabbi? He's a teacher of Torah. What do he understand about Fishing, he knows nothing about fishing. And he's telling me and giving me orders what to do. It's nonsense. I don't like that. And it's the same thing like us many times. We are full of pride. We think we know it all. And we do not need anyone to tell us what to do. Like uh, in our business or in our life. We are full of ego. And here we see Simon Peter the same thing. Full of pride. And he is in the middle of his work. And why this rabbi is like telling me what to do. Because also I have been fishing all night and caught nothing. Why he is telling me to let down the nets for a catch. He doesn't know anything about fishing. But you know what? I will do it. Just because he told me to do it. I just want to get over it. I want to do it and just like to get this rabbi away. I know I will not catch anything. And Simon Peter was like mocking Jesus. I will just do it. And his mind is saying, this rabbi have no idea about fishing. He has no idea what he's telling me about. And I'm just doing it to prove him wrong and that I am right. And I know what I am doing. I'm a professional fisherman. But this rabbi have nothing to do with fishing. 
but I will do it anyway. And look what verse 5 says. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6 comes the shocking moments for Simon Peter. When he had done so, he caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. What? No way. This is the moment that Simon realized he was totally wrong. How many times we think we got it all? How many times we are self-confident? How many times we think we are right? But when things fall down, like for example, what's happening now in the coronavirus, there is circumstances above us and we are losing a lot of things. When hardships comes, we realize we know nothing. We realize we are small and we realize we are wrong. And this is the moment that humbles us and make us submit to our Creator. This is the moment that Simon realized that all the years he had been fishing, he did not know it. There are more things to learn from this rabbi, and this rabbi is different than the other rabbis. He is the Messiah. This is the moment when Simon Peter realized he is a sinful man, and his life had been touched. And this is why he fell at Jesus' knees. Because he realized he was wrong. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And this is a moment of revelation to Simon Peter. And from that moment, he followed Jesus. Because Jesus said to him, Follow me. So this is the second stage of discipleship. To follow. It means... In Hebraic mindset, to follow is to give me priority over everything of your life, over fishing, over your job, over your family. I should become number one priority in your life. Look what is written at the end of verse 10 and 11. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Peter followed Jesus. He was with him for almost three years, learning and learning and learning and seeing miracles and healings, learning from this rabbi for almost three years of teachings and experiencing the power of the kingdom of heaven. And after all these years of teaching, Jesus took all the disciples all the way up to a place called a region of Caesarea Philippi in the Golan Heights. It's a Roman pagan temple. What is Jesus doing? The disciples could not understand. Why, Lord, why you are taking us to a Roman pagan temple? It's almost two days way to go. And it's far distance. But this is the graduation lesson. I'm just laying for you the background of the story in order you to understand what happened here. Okay? So let's read from Matthew 16, 13 to 20. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. What do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The disciples are in shock again. Why Jesus are taking us all the way up to a Roman pagan temple? And this is like uh, a graduation lesson. This is what Jesus wants to teach them. And this is what Jesus wants to know. If, if his three years with them, they understood him. 
because he is planning to leave them and go to the cross in Jerusalem and they have to carry out his mission. Remember the stages of discipleship? Come and see and then to follow and then to carry on, right? And be ready and responsible. They did not see all of that coming and did not accept it. Despite Jesus was clear with them. And so many times we don't understand still the calling of our life. And we don't understand the responsibility that give us to do. And he asked them a question. Who do people think I am? Always Jesus would ask questions when he wanted to deliver a message and see if the people in front of him understood him. But only Simon Peter had the right answer. That was a revelation from Simon by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Simon said. And Simon Peter got it right. And that was a revelation. And that was part of the teachings I've done about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, I said this is a very big teaching, a long teaching. And later on, tomorrow, we're going to go up to the Golan Heights and we're going to speak about in the second podcast in details about Matthew 16, 13, about Peter's declaration. Anyway, so what happened next? Jesus went all the way up to Jerusalem. He was arrested. And you know, Judas surrendered him to the Romans. And Peter was following him. And Peter denied Jesus three times. How come? He saw miracles. He had been with the Messiah almost three years. Exposed to his teaching. Even experienced a lot of miracles, healings, one or two each day. And how come he denied the Messiah? And now the key, Peter is broken. And he's disappointed. Jesus is crucified. This disciple scattered around, depressed. Their Messiah is not here anymore. Their leader that they put all their expectations on, he is on the cross, crucified and died. So Peter and the disciples went back to their own old life and jobs. They turned back to their old way of looking at things. They went back to their own jobs, to fishing at the Sea of Galilee, at the same location, at the same shore, at the same place they have been called first. Let me go to another level of teaching. If you have been in ministry and the ministry fall down and you were disappointed and did not succeed, it is for a reason. God wants to build you up to make you ready it's a preparation for your calling in your life because he called you for something better and greater he is training you to get deeper with him the same thing simon peter was disappointed he went all the way back to the world being a normal fisherman on the sea of galilee He is different today. He is broken. Peter is broken. Now I'm getting to my point. The third stage of discipleship. Let's read from John 21, verse 1 and 11 and explain more. Verse 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard 
him saying, It's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coal there with fish on it and some bread. Just to tell you, this is a mirror image of when first Jesus came and told Peter to follow him. The same location. Imagine a mirror image happened again. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. So do you know that this miracle sounds like exactly a mirror image like Mark chapter 5, a parallel story, a flashback. He brought them back to the same spot, same location, same setting where all originally started. But this time is different. It's the third stage of discipleship. This time, Peter is completely broken. Last time, he was full of pride. He had no choice. When you are broken completely in your life is the moment your destiny is released. When you are broken completely is the key when the real change will take place in your heart. It's all about the heart. I'm not saying you're broken, you're in a bad mood today, or you wake up because like disappointed or you are feeling not well or frustrated. I am saying here, when you are broken, it's more deeper than that. I'm saying when you're disappointed from your pastor or you're disappointed from your church or you failed in ministry or you had a divorce or a broken relationship or you got very sick, cancer, and your life is devastated. And you stopped and following Jesus. You went away from serving God and your heart is broken and shattered and far away from the Lord and went back to your own ways. And no one is seeing that or even feeling or understanding what you are passing through. You are left alone. This is the level of brokenness I am talking about. And this is what Simon Peter is experiencing. He is completely broken. And not only that, he is more than frustrated. He's back from Jerusalem. Think about it. After his life turned around upside down, after experiencing the Messiah and being with him and being the first in everything, he is back to his old life. It's the same location where he used to do fishing. But he's not even good at it. How many times we go back to our old places in life? And look what is happening. He is working hard and hard and hard, but also not good, not fishing anything. Hours upon hours, he ain't catching anything and nothing. Even he's not good at what he used to do before. It's getting worse. He is back in his old profession and not good in it at all. Listen for the next sentence, it's important. You cannot go back to your old life and leave Christ and share the same blessings like ever before. Let me repeat. You cannot go back to your old life and share the same blessings like before. All of that is for a reason. It took time for Simon <clears throat> sorry, to understand it. And sometimes it takes time for us to understand. We're not different than Simon. It's not that you can abandon your life calling and go back to the old ways and receive the anointing after meeting Christ. By the way, the lake is not different. The lake is the same. The fish is there. It's not gone also. All are the same. In the same lake and the same exact location. 
But what is different now, Simon Peter is different. He is totally broken in his life. Listen again, the most broken that you are in your life is the perfect time for God to work and rebuilds you again. Because when you are broken in your life, your flesh is destroyed completely, your pride is gone away, and your ego is zero. And now there is a place for the Holy Spirit to wake, to work over your flesh. Because the flesh blocks the work of the Spirit. So the most broken that you are in your life is the most when God will work on your heart deeply. And the change will take place for the Lord releases your destiny and your calling and vocation in life. Remember that. Remember the hardest moment you passed in your life, in your mind, in your memory, when it was so hard. Remember that moment when you were broken. This is the moment, if you rise above it, is when your destiny is released to be yourself. Because you have lost everything in your life. That is the moment when if you stand firm. You don't run away. Listen for this. You don't run away. You stay firm and strong. And let the spirit work. This is the moment that releases your destiny. Let me get personal here. When I was the most broken in my life, you have no idea how much time I was broken in my life. It's the most when I realized I had a calling on my life. The more hardships, the more anointing you get. By the way, I'm going to talk about this subject later when we go to Jerusalem, okay, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Because I get so much emotional when I talk about it, and because it's a very personal experience. Because it's about my identity was formed when I was most broken. I do not mind these real moments in my life. Do not mind the hardships and the real moments in your life. By the way, I wrote a book about it. I will not enter to this subject right now. and uh, Because I'll get so emotional about it. But uh, you can read the book. Some of you know about it. One Friday in Jerusalem. It's about my walk with the Lord. Anyway, let's continue to my point. Do not compare also yourselves to others. You have a special destiny, a special calling in your life. And God wants to reveal it to you. Because the same thing, Peter, Simon, had a destiny and God wanted to reveal it to him. Because his destiny was unique and different than any one of the disciples in this world. But, Peter needed a lesson to surrender to God completely. And this lesson is for us. Surrender to God completely. It's not about you at all. It's not about me at all. It's about him, the creator. You cannot catch fish <clears throat> only by your own strength and power. You only can catch fish by the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Peter was so much gifted in catching fish. He was a great fisherman. But the Lord wanted him to be a real fisherman of souls. A greater calling and destiny in life is awaiting for you. You are made for something bigger in life. Bigger than what we think. You know what is it, this destiny? is restoration. Get you back to your destiny in a journey to discover your real exact calling and ministry in life. And even to give you another chance after failure. Maybe you failed. He wants to tell you he loves you and he wants you to be a real shepherd. Do you know that from that moment, Peter was in full-time ministry and never looked back again because Jesus appeared again and restored him. Look what is written in John 12 to 19. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? 
Who are you? <laughs> they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Verse 14, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is very deep, by the way. I want to tell you, your ministry will end in something you don't like to do. Actually, your hardships, the worst scenarios that happened into your life, and the things that you've been hurt in the past in your life, and the things that you don't like to do by the power of the Holy Spirit will end to be your calling in life and your ministry in this world. God prepared everything. Satan wanted to destroy your life. And he put circumstances in your life, like Simon Peter. But it will end for you to be strong and for you to do your weaknesses will become your strength and it will become your ministry. For example, if you had divorce in your life and face a lot of hardships, it will end for you. I'm speaking in general will end in you helping other people in what you pass through in your life. I hope this makes sense. Because you will understand it's not about you anymore. It's all about the relationship with the master. And your heart completely changed. It's like Peter's heart changed from a fisherman to a shepherd. You know, fisherman killing and like, it's a tough work. It's a hard work involved and... He became a shepherd, much more gentle heart. This is why Jesus is asking, Peter, do you love me? He sees the change of his heart. Now it's becoming intimate relationship with Jesus, a genuine relationship sharing a meal together, real reconciliation between Peter and Jesus. Now look what's more about Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? In Hebraic mindset, in the Middle Eastern way of thinking, it means, Peter, you are ready now. You changed, which means, in other words, you are equal to your brothers and sisters. Before you were thinking you are the best, no. He has been humbled. And all are equal in God's kingdom. Who was the first disciple to be called? We know Peter, Simon Peter. Who was the last disciple to be called? We know Matthew. What was the job of Peter? He was a fisherman. What was the job of Matthew? A tax collector. Do you know that? Peter had paid so much taxes to Matthew. And Matthew had collected so much money from Peter. Probably Peter hated Matthew so much. Because he paid him so much money. And Jesus is saying to Peter, Do you love me? It means, Peter, everyone of the disciples are equal. There's no one better than the other. It means everyone have to love each others. There should be no hate among all of the disciples. Because all of them are equal. This is the third level of discipleship. Is to move fully under the anointing of the Spirit. To be healed and ready. And you know this saying, the first will come the last, and the last will come the first, be the first. It comes from here. If you've been in the church for like 50 years, attending every Sunday, and you just came 
to church only five days ago, when God looks at you, is the same. We are all equal in God's kingdom. But God, this is the point. God wants to restore us fully. He wants to heal us fully. And from that moment, Peter was in full-time ministry and have never looked back. And he was ready to serve, to serve the Lord. And he moved forward in God's calling in his life. I want to encourage you. Move on. Go under the anointing and the power and walk under the power of the kingdom of heaven in your life. There's always restoration in God's words. It's so much important to understand what happened with Simon Peter here at the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So let me summarize for you. First stage of discipleship, come and see. Second stage, to follow and learn. And the third stage, falling down but learning how to function fully and to be restored and become humble after being broken to walk under the anointing of the spirit move on don't get stuck whatever hardships you pass through even from ministry you have to continue fully in your calling in your life god is preparing you for this moment to move on and i can see after all this explanation people are like really enjoying it so much and uh, learning so much so i would like to give them like here 20 minutes time free to go around the shore and to spend time with god and themselves to be restored really fully and to be refreshed in the same area, in the same location where Peter was restored and refreshed. It all happened in this area. And then I'll give them a specific time for all of them to meet in the bus because our next stop is Capernaum. I hope that you enjoyed this teaching and this is only a taste of what's coming all the way through the 10th days. We are only the fifth day on touring and uh, please share it with your friends and families also any donations will be appreciated uh, especially for the continuation of the podcast and for like twin stores office and staff to continue working and uh, despite the hard financials we are passing through this uh, nowadays but all is good god is good and thank you so much i hope you enjoyed and got blessed you can go to the website www.twinstours.org Again, www.twinstours.org Twinstours.org And press become a partner Click become a partner And there will be a list of donations uh, Monthly or yearly or one-time donation We'll appreciate if you can like God put on your heart to do monthly donations and this will be really sustainable income for the twin stores. So thank you so much again for listening and God bless you.